was in your, your workshop, wasn't it? Not far away from my workshop. Albert Hill in Darlington. The forging, Albert Hill yeah. Darlington made a lot of the structure for that, yeah. Liverpool obviously um, played an important part with the offices. Do we got the Titanic offices? The uh, the um, White Star building is is in Liverpool, and it's mad how all that came together. The, yeah, the yeah. connection with the with the uh, the parts all around the world, and it, and it the, never... the Liverpool built was a bit of the iceberg, it wasn't it? Well, yeah, that's that's the problem. <laughs> But yeah, but the ship should have—it should have gone all around the world. They should have showcased what this country had to offer, and unfortunately, yeah, yeah. it never did. Um, but I am—I am a bit of a fan of the Titanic. I, I do don't like blame it. you. I don't blame you. Yeah. And I, um, I like the way the, the story developed. I just stroll past um, a friend of mine lives in uh, Waterloo, and there's a really, really nice avenue facing the sea at Waterloo, and there's a couple of placards about. The White Star Line. I think the owner of the White Star Line lived in one of the mansions along there. Yeah, really fantastic houses. Fantastic the, ca the captain lived on the front. The captain, yeah. Yeah, he lived on the, the front. The captain, and further along, there's a big where yeah. one of the yeah. owners. Lived. Yeah. Esme, the Esme family. Yeah. yeah. Further up, and the captain lived on the front, and um, so it is all it is all connected. Um, Liverpool yeah. and most Darlington now with with the um, the t connection of the Titanic. But what what? Sorry, the guitars. What have you been doing in lockdown? Uh, well, as you, as you know, I do teach yeah. quite a lot. Um, so a lot of my students uh, have disappeared since March. A few have transferred to online lessons. Yeah, I have. Um, I have all sorts of people come to lessons, and one of them is a, is a doctor whose husband's a doctor who was working on the COVID wards. And about four weeks ago, she says to me, "Oh, oh when are you starting your lessons again?" I said, "Oh, I'm not sure." She <laughs> said, oh, "It's very, very safe now, you know. The infection rates down to zero. There's no, it's no problem now." So anyway, I started lessons the following week, and guess what? It's kicked off again. It's going back up. So, so I'm, te I'm teaching at the moment, but how long it'll last, I don't know. I don't know. It's quite difficult. Uh, but people have been buying guitars in, in lockdown. I think maybe people have been a bit, I don't know, trying to cheer themselves up, had a bit of time on their hands. So they are they are buying guitars. So I've had a few guitars go through, which is good. Uh, uh, what's nice is all, always, as you know, because we, you know, we've had a bit, uh, we go back a few years now. Yeah. Uh, an important thing for me isn't just like somebody's bought a guitar, so I'll ship a box out. Yeah. It's about producing a guitar that's really going to, make their jaw drop when they see it you know uh, and that's what i try and do with them all so when they play it it's it's really you know as, as good as it can get really you know um without paying without paying the earth for it you know yeah and we, we'll touch on a bit later on about the actual the guitars and and and, and the, the playing quality of of the guitars we, we will touch on that and, and i'm sure you'll you'll show us a couple of a couple of examples but take it all Back to little Simon. What what got you into guitars? I've never asked you this question. I've known you for a while now. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm the youngest of four, so I, I have two older brothers and an older sister. Um, so I suppose my taste in music is about ten years before my time as well. You know. So um, I was I was brought up listening to. Um, Cream and uh, Eric Clapton, John Mayall's Blues Breakers, J Jimi Hendrix, you know. 
And then my oldest brother was away at college and he'd come back with two or three of his mates. And I remember one time they came back and one of them had a guitar. There'd never been a guitar in the house. So this guitar was there and they were out. So I remember just messing about and strumming it a little bit. And I was about, I was about 11, I think. Uh, and that just got me thinking about it, you know, got me thinking about it, the sound. And then my second eldest brother is uh, a he's a really good drummer, Chris, and um, he was he was in bands and the bands used to rehearse around our house. Anyway, I went to see his band rehearse in this primary school um, building they had, and I heard um, an old, I think it was a Framus guitar, play it through a like a probably a Selma old valve amp, yeah. and it was just wound up and it was crunching just power chords out of it. And it just hit me right in the stomach. And it just, it just, you, you're both nodding because you know what I mean. It was, wow, wow, what's that, what's that? And so that, that memory has stayed with me. So now when I get a, a new student in, particularly if it's a young kid, I, sh I say, well, you know, talk to them about the guitar. And I, I show them an acoustic guitar, strum a few little chords on an acoustic. And then this is an electric guitar. And gradually, gradually, they're getting interested. Then I wind it up and I start giving it some on a, on a high, you know, overdriven electric guitar. And they go, and then I say, right, I've got you. <laughs> I've got you for life now. Yeah, so, so I started playing shortly after that. The guitarist I heard playing that uh, power chord, he started teaching me and I picked it, picked it up fairly quickly. Um, the guitars, I mean, this is long before you two young gentlemen were born, I'm sure. The guitars when I was a kid were bloody awful guitars. They were terrible guitars. Woolworths had a range of guitars, and they were they were just awful, awful quality. You know, the, the action was terrible. It, you know, it was like playing an X-Lite, so they were awful guitars. So anyway, I started, and I started, you know, getting away with it quite quickly. And then my mother bought me this guitar, brought me the guitar home that she bought off one of her friends at work. And it was in a heart case, and I opened it up. And it was a Shaftesbury Les Paul. Now, this is a Japanese, all Japanese brand. Um, yeah. Copy of a Gibson Les Paul. And it was in a black, you know, Tolex case. Opened it up. It was all gold fur inside with this black Les Paul custom in it. And it was just beautiful, beautiful guitar. So I started playing on that. And, and from about 11, 12, I was in bands, you know, quite, quite quickly. All sorts of different things. Um, so, yeah, it goes back a long way. Um, and I've had a few guitars over the years. Yeah, but uh, and I've got a lot more now, of course, as you yeah, know. A, a, a hell of a lot now. <laughs> so yeah, I've played a, I've played in all sorts of different bands, from like club bands, rock and roll bands, country bands, country rock bands, big jazz, big bands. Um, and then the last twenty years or so, I did this blues rock thing, Cream, Santana, Jimi Hendrix, and it got more and more to Jimi Hendrix. So I did a lot of that stuff up until a couple of years ago. When I've, I think I've just slowed down a bit now, so I've not been gigging for a little while. So I've played a lot. When you were you, obviously you 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 joined your band. Were you self-taught then? Did you just? Did you oh no no no! I'll tell you what. Just can you? I don't know whether you better see this, but if you look, this is, in my studio here, there's a. These are all my old teachers. Wow! Oh right, okay. There's a lot of old teachers there, and I, you know, there's a story to tell about all of them. Um, so uh, yeah, I've had a lot of teachers over the years, um, and so I mean, I've you know you. Again, it's before your time, but but like when when I used to learn stuff, there wasn't uh, any computers. You know, imagine a world without computers. Um, we 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 had uh, I don't think even we had cassette tapes. It was it was LPs, and you had to learn. I was into like John McLaughlin, my Vision Orchestra in that at that time, 
you know. And so the only way you could have a chance of listening to that was to slow it down to 16 RPM and just listen to the... Wow. <laughs> and try and work out what he was doing, you know. So I did a lot of that as well, yeah. Because uh, there was nobody teaching electric guitar. It, the, the stuff I learned was more traditional, um, like big band stuff. You'd yeah. have to have a lot of patience then. I mean, you, the comparison is that, you know, like kids these days that are learning or, you know, young adults or whoever's learning, you know, they've got the ability to just go on YouTube and, you know, because that, that's, that is literally how I learned to play, you know, piano, guitar. Yeah. You're going onto YouTube. Still, and, it's still not easy, though. Play this song. It's still not easy. Uh, and I think a lot of kids like the idea, but they don't want to put the effort in they don't want to put the work in and it's uh it is a long hard road even now yeah it's, it's there's no there's no shortcut apart from finding a good teacher and, and trying to get inspired you know to, to want to play um but i mean it's a real it's a real ordeal really learning how to play an instrument and getting good at it and then you've got to work out how to deal with all the interesting personalities you meet when you join bands <laughs> well the funny thing you funny you should say that simon because i deal with someone on a podcast weekly that I also am in a band with. Uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a, no, he's nice. He's nice. He's, he's nice. got a nice, got a nice Titanic. He's got a nice Titanic. There you go. That's nice. I like that. No, but I, I agree with you on Simon with, with, with that. I think you've got to inspire from a young age. I've got, I like you, I've taught guitar for, for years now. It must be 15 years. And, and you, you've got to go with the kids, but I, you, it's so easy for someone to just pick up a computer and just find something now. I, we all had to work for it. I, I, do you know what I used to do? I used to do exactly what you did. I used to play along with, uh, with the, the music, the cassettes or whatever, but the cassette was always slower, like you said. Yeah. So I, I, I learned to uh, tune down to, to stay in the key. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And I used to play along with the tapes, but I used to play to all sorts of junk. And then I kind of, um, what really got me into, obviously I, I love the Beatles and, and stuff like that, but ACDC was the one that I, I could really um, just just smash chords as loud as I could. Just, and I, I always remember mum and dad say, at least we know where he is. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, vol I, I used to blow amps up because he used to, turn them to 10 and just blow, blow them up oh, I loved it they were great days and I, obviously we we all teach kids but over the years there's some kids who just were born to play guitar if you know what I mean you, well, yeah there's a it's a, there's always a gem I, I, the, the kids you're talking about it's not just kids sometimes you get adults coming along for lessons and they've never had any lessons before they're self-taught um, and they don't really know very much about chords or scales, you know, beyond a few power chords and a few pentatonic scales. They don't know a lot of technical stuff, but they can really play. They've got a real fluent style. You know, they can really play. The phrasing's really good. Yeah. And that's really, really difficult to teach anybody anyway. You know, yeah. you can teach people all the theory and the practical exercises, but to get them to actually play with feeling like that uh, is very, very difficult. And so I... it makes you think that maybe some people have that natural ability i was when they get to a certain level feel the music instead of robotically looking at it feel what's coming next before 
before it, you, you've, you, you actually physically see it on a piece of paper. And it's, what I was saying with singing, do you find that with singing? Sam? Well, I was just literally about to say about when I teach the kids at Lipper, uh, Lipper 4 to 19, it's exactly the same. There's the, they, they don't have that emotion. I, I put that down to just not having lived as long as us, yeah. you know, in general. I mean, when they're, you know, when they're, the emotion behind the song, uh, recently we've been doing... Um, some exercises in regards to finding their emotion and heartbreak and you know the, some of these kids are only 13 and 14 and they've never had heartbreak in their life you know love someone fell out of love losing a you know a loved one so it's difficult for them to find that emotion to then apply it to the song um so again it's it's difficult for for those youngsters but i think once they've lived a, you know lived a little bit of life in, in that regard I, I find like you, you it's easier to to understand and how to to act because it is essentially acting while you're singing as well i always go on about uh to, to my students and say you know look you've got to be able to act as well as sing you know as you were saying this robotic sort of play uh, is exactly the same as singing there's got to be that emotion behind what you're essentially what you're you, what you're singing you know you know i love you can be said in so many different ways um and the way that you say it can can you know uh it can mean so many different things. I've so. had so much heartbreak in my life. I reckon my solos would be the most emotion. The, the emotion in my solos, you, you, you've just never hit. You've never lived some. That's all. Awesome I've got to ask Simon, have you heard Chris play Sweet Caroline? Uh, oh, Simon, don't even go there. Don't. Well, he's got a nice selection of guitars to choose from. Well, he has. He has. And we might as well go on to it. It's Cassidy Guitars. Um, and... The whole, you know, idea. I, I want you to kind of explain where it came from and the reason behind setting up your own guitar company. Mm, mm. It's a long story, really. It's you know, going back. I've had a discussion today with a with a kid who's like sixteen, and so I've, quite a few of my students have got to sixteen. They're doing grade six, seven, and eight. By the time they'd finished their A levels, they're thinking of going to music college. Um. And this might sound very strange, but I, I do I do have a straight talk with them about how you're going to make a living as a musician. Because yeah. it's I don't want to sound like Rushy Sunak here, but it's not an easy job, is it? It's not an easy road to go down. Not at the and, moment. So, and so when I um, when I was 18, you know, what, I did my A levels. I, I didn't do so well in my A levels, so I had a bit of time out. Did a reset. I had three years off before I went to university. And I was having lessons off a, a lad in, in Leeds, um, who was at the Leeds College of Music, jazz, jazz course. And he was teaching me jazz stuff. And he said, oh, well, have you thought about going to the Leeds College of Music? And I thought I was, you know, I was, thought I was quite a decent guitarist at that point. Um, and I thought, well, no, maybe I need to do something different. So I actually went off and did a degree in psychology, completely different, you know, thinking that I might do music at the same time alongside it. So I ended up, um, did psychology, did a personnel management postgraduate diploma, did, and then worked in personnel management training, personnel human resource management, as it's called now. Ended up doing a master's degree in that. Um, and I worked for about 20 years in, in personnel management. I still played the guitar, but then by that time I'd had a young family and I didn't have a lot of time. I did have one of those four-track TIAC tape recorders that you're talking about. Yes, I found <laughs> still... I bought it in 1980 and recorded my first album on, and it's mint. It's hardly been used since. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So uh, yeah, I did a bit of that, a bit of recording stuff, but not a lot. Um, so I did about 20 years in, in, in a, a reasonably well-paid job, a serious profession, you know, working at a senior level. I, I worked at um, Northern Rock Alliance in Leicester. I actually worked for Gyro Bank, Bootle based. Oh, wow, yeah. Literally uh, around, they around, were quite, around quite, the corner from yeah. me, where I, where I live. Where yeah. And, yeah. and then um, from there, I went to further education college in Darlington for 10 years. And then I ended up in a big law firm up in Newcastle. Um, but then, this is going back to the about 15 years ago, my dad died. My dad was always, he always used to come and see me at all my gigs. He was really, really proud. He, he was, any anybody, you might you might have had this, Chris, anybody that came to the house, he'd get me to play the guitar for them. So he'd shout, Simon, Simon, bring your guitar down and play, play Alcatraz. So <laughs> Alcatraz, of course, Albatross. <laughs> that was his favourite tune. So I played that thousands and thousands of times, and uh, I actually played it at my dad's funeral. We had a, he had a he had a brilliant funeral, and I played that at his funeral. It was fantastic. But then when he went, he, he used to come. You know, my dad was like he was 80, 80 when he died, eighty two. He used to come and see me doing Jimi Hendrix stuff in all these little bars all around the north of England. You know, and he'd be there in his flat cap and his tweed jacket with his chest stuck out. That's my lad up there. You know, and he'd, he'd be getting into all this third stone from the sun, all this really far out Hendrix stuff. You know. He yeah. was really, really proud. And so when he died, I had a bit of a rethink because I really didn't like the job I was doing. Now, this is a bit it's a bit personal, but you know, I, I went from being psychology into personal management to try and help people, try and help people develop the full potential. You know, that was my that was my motivation. What I ended up doing was being like a hitman. Three o'clock in the afternoon, I'd get a call from some director. I want him out this afternoon. I want her out this afternoon. You know. And I, you know, it wasn't me. I couldn't, I, I, you know, I did it for a while. I couldn't really do it. So it came to the point where I decided, now this is this isn't this isn't what I want. And I, I handed me notice in. Now in, in a in a senior job like that, where you, you you are, you know, privy to lots of confidential information, normally you'd be walked off the premises. You know, I had three months' notice. But I actually worked my notice because I was quite good at the job, and I continued and and finished, not really knowing what I was going to do. So I had a bit of thinking time, and then I, I started playing the guitar more, started teaching, started buying and selling second-hand guitars, and then buy, buying and selling. I did, I did have a deal with, it, with a brand of new guitars. Um, so it was all online at that point. And so I'd started buying and selling guitars. The, um, the interesting point about the guitar behind you, Sam, uh, I won't mention the name, but the uh, band was, uh, was uh, called Sundance. Called Sundance, being Cassidy, my me, me brother Chris on the drums in the initial lineup, you know, two Cassidy brothers. Well, we could have called it Butch. Ah. Not really. Hop along. Not yeah. really. So anyway, Sundance was the name. I thought, like, oh, like, like the sound of that. So we called it Sundance. So I was trading as Sundance guitars, buying and selling guitars on eBay and on the website, secondhand guitars, and and this this particular brand. Um, and so when it came to Miss, my, uh, my eldest son was in China and he, he'd set a company up sourcing products for companies all around the world from China, manufactured in China. So I thought, well, maybe maybe we should look into getting a guitar brand established. So he was sourcing the, the, the right the right factories to make the products that we wanted. So I put in the, the trademark applications and the brand was actually going to be called Sundance because that's the name I'd used. 
So, you know, being a meticulous, diligent sort of fella, I put in a trademark application to the intellectual property office for Sundance under the guitars, musical instruments category. And it takes a long time. But then I got this phone call from an intellectual property lawyer advising me that I ought to reconsider my marketing strategy. Mm. Oh, right. And obviously, I couldn't afford to match him with an intellectual property lawyer because I knew how much property lawyers cost from a previous job. (laughs) So basically, there was already a company that had a model that they uh-huh. called Sundance, which you might be aware of, Sam. Now, I know that this model appeared after my Sundance band and after my Sundance guitars, but I wasn't going to argue about it because I couldn't afford it, you know. So then I had to think, well, what, what should I do? What should I call it? Now, it's very difficult to come up with a name that's not being used before. Yeah. Uh, so I've got Axeman, which is one of the models at Rangers, and Bluesville, which, you know, again, I've got those, but for the main one, I, I couldn't, you know, so I ended up using Cassidy. I hadn't been used before. Um, so I, I didn't really want to use my own name, but I ended up doing that. So it became Cassidy Guitars, uh, and you can see quite a few of them behind Chris there. Um, so that's going back to 2012. And since then, we managed to source, I think, you know, the motivation, Sam, just to go back to your initial point, was about I was teaching people, right? Guitar lessons, when people come for lessons over... In one case, I've got, I've got a student who's been coming for 12 years because he likes coming, I think, you know. <laughs> I think he, ro- he reached his plateau quite a while ago, but he's, he still comes. Um, but it's expensive, you know, every, every week. You know, you're paying for a guitar lesson. And then you find out about nice guitars. So whether it's a kid coming for lessons or it's a, it's not, not many ladies come for lessons, but if it's like a, a, a middle-aged 30, 40, 50-year-old bloke who wants to start lessons and suddenly he discovers that he's really, really cheap starter guitar isn't that good. It's, there's some limitations to it. So he fancies this, that, or the other. And he finds out about the expensive American brands. How can he possibly justify, one, he's not a very good guitarist, and two, how can he get that past the financial controller at home, £2,000 for a guitar? So <laughs> the other thing was, I've got, when I'm when I, um, talking about this TIAC port studio, I, I, bought, I bought one in 1980 when I was in London. And they were, this Sam, Sam smiling here, because he thinks, what's he talking about? A four-track tape recorder, you know. Yeah. They were state-of-the-art in 1980, Sam. They were it. That had never been possible before. Suddenly, you could multi-track your, your guitar parts or whatever else, your vocals. So I got that, I got that in 1980. Listen to this. Second-hand, um, it cost, you know, in those days, we got student grants. So at the beginning of every term, I had quite a lot of money to get the dispose of. <laughs> So this, this particular term, I bought this Porter Studio, £350 second hand. A lot of money then, but it was yeah. going to be the one I was going to put my, make my album on, you see. Shortly after that, my, uh, my good lady, she treated me to a, a Gibson Les Paul Custom. Now, this was in 1980. It was a 1970 guitar. Whoa. And it cost £350. Right? So they both cost £350. They were both second hand. Fast forward to today... I have a mint condition um, TIAC four-track Porter Studio. I built a flight case for it with a red velvet lining. It's absolutely mint condition. Current market value, £15. Shut up. What? Gibson Les Paul Custom. 20 grand. 20 grand. 1970. Yeah, four or five grand. So anyway, it's part of the answer to Sam's question. How did I get into guitars? I was in a pub in Middlesbrough. And, you know, a bit of a ropey place. You know, you get to play in lots of fine establishments in rock bands, you know, on the pub circuit. Hey, mate, what you is, you Les Paul? I thought, oh, Christ. 
now I can't go to the toilet, can I? I can't go, what do you want to that for? So I thought, well, what's the point taking a guitar that expensive out to gigs? You can't justify it. It's going to get damaged, it's going to get broken, it's going to get stolen. Well, you know, what's the point? So from the student aspiring to have a nice guitar, you know, the, the, the good guitars are too expensive. From a gigging guitarist, why would you want to be taking such an expensive thing out that's, that you might get damaged? So my guitar range was going to be not not really cheap guitars, but good quality guitars people can progress to once they've started with a guitar. And also very good quality guitars that are not that expensive for people who are professional musicians or, or, or gigging musicians, you know. So it's a question of really high quality guitars for a really good value price point. And the price point is because some people turn their nose up immediately when you mention where, where I make these. I'm very honest about where these guitars come from. I know for a fact that many other guitar manufacturers are not honest at all about where they get them from. I've seen guitars being made in factories out there that I know are going to America, that I know are being sold as American guitars. It's, it's, it's happened, you know. Um, so the reason, you know, if you want, if you want to be able to, to combine high quality with, a, 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 you know, the best value for money, then that's the place to get them manufactured. If I was to manufacture them here, I wouldn't be able to sell them for the amount that, that, that I sell them for. And the whole point was to make them more accessible to people, you know. So I, it's basically this, this, this company might look very grand behind my website, but it's basically me and my wife and my son helped me out with, with the sourcing of the products. But the guitars have got my name on it, and it's me that does everything to them. They come here and I, I do all the work on them. I set them up. You, you do have some brands with people's names on them, and that person will never touch them. They're just the front person for a big, um, you know, middle 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 agency. Um, so um, you know that's that's it's, it's quite a personal thing with me. That the, the, all the guitars pass through my hands. I do all the setups. I speak with the person buying the guitar, um, and I deal with any issues they might have, any questions they might have later on. And hopefully, you know, nine times out of ten, they're absolutely delighted with them. If you get me, say me, say Simon. Can you just make the action as low as possible? So you're like, oh. <laughs> Simon, I don't sound like Eric Clapton. What's going on? Let me talk to you about about the yeah 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 because we've got a few here. The this this tree of life, do you call it? What's, well, there is, there is a tree of life already that, that is, isn't there? Yeah. What's what, what? I didn't want to call it tree of life. I thought, you know, learning learning the fretboard on a guitar, uh, learning scales up and down the fretboard. I called it the tree of knowledge. Ah, right. Okay. Right. Okay. So it's the tree of knowledge. So on that guitar, Chris, you've got there that that's, that inlay is is maple. On, yeah. Uh, on a rosewood uh, rosewood fretboard. Yeah. Do you find that? Um, Certain ones sell better than other ones. Well, if you have a look on my website, quite a lot of them are sold out. Well, I tell you what, I need to get some more. I tell you what I'll do right now is I'll show the people exactly the website itself. So there it is, the Cassie um, website, which you can go and peruse at your own pleasure. Uh, so it's CassidyGuitars.co.uk/guitars. And obviously they're all there for your browsing pleasure. So you've got the Axemen, as mentioned. We've got Bluesville um, and Encounter. There's, there's tons. How, how many would you say you've got on the, the site, Simon, guitar-wise? In models. I think yeah. there's about, originally there was about 20, 24 models, I think. 
So it's quite uh, there's quite a, a, a quite a good selection there for for people yeah, to just to have a just look. just to try and explain uh, the 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 Axeman series were originally like metal style guitars, heavy metal style guitars, and I thought Axeman was the right name for that that range. Uh, the Bluesville were were really sort of um, tributes to the uh, American guitars of the 1950s. Uh, I, I, you know, the headstocks, all the headstocks are different. I'm not, I'm not. These aren't clones of, of, of Fenders and Gibsons. They've all been changed. But the Bluesvilles are like the sort of guitar that somebody progressing from from lessons, maybe after a year or two, and they want a, a nice guitar that's that can be set up to play really nice. That's not going to cost the earth. The, the Bluesville ones are that. The Cassidy ones, the Encounter series, right? Originally, the Cassidys were CE Cassidy Electric. Uh, 701 the one that chris has got is a ce551 behind there um when i when i got that website sam that you're looking at um done a couple of years ago there was it's quite it was quite an interesting exercise in branding and, and how you present to the world the agency orange dog uh, were, were very good um and so he said well we need to call this this range something you've got axman you've got bluesville you know so again i had the problem i had an e the guitars were already made ce so I had to come up with something starting with E. So I had a long list of about 50 words I could possibly use that, that started with E that might be applicable to a guitar. So I narrowed them down, down and down, checked whether any had been taken yet, narrowed it down further. I ended up with about two or three, and one of them was Encounter. Now, it just so happened that my eldest brother, Steve, who I mentioned, whose friend brought that guitar on when I first started listening to the sound of a guitar, um, he, was, he spent a lot of his life out in Portugal, in Porto. He set up a language school out in Porto. Unfortunately, he died at a very early age, 63. Um, and his, this drum kit that you can see behind me is actually his drum kit from Porto. When he died, I went and brought that back. It's, it's just here as a, as a monument to him, really. It gets played now and then. Um, but um, the school that he had out there was called Encounter English. So the word I ended up with was Encounter. Yeah. So this range is really a tribute to the eldest brother. So that's where that came from. And then there are bases, and then there's a UK custom-built range there. The custom-built range I do build here. Um, they're built from the best components from around the world. The hardware is usually Japanese. I use Goto hardware, bridges and machine heads. Um, the pickups probably generally uh, American, Seymour Duncan's generally. Um, pick up the, the pots and everything else the cts pots so that they, they are really the very best you can get those those guitars are a little bit more expensive they're about 12 1300 pounds um but they're really really good you, you, get, a, you get a lot of traction when we we did the shows the shows when we did the fairs yeah people, people looking at them they get a lot of traction but they all do because everyone comes up we've we've done fairs a few times and, we, and, and, and the exhibitions and People, people, how can I describe it? They, they know what one they want to pick up as soon as they see the range. Do you know what I mean? They, they see all these guitars which you bring, or we all The thing about the guitar shows, the thing about the guitar shows, and I haven't done one for a couple of years. There, are a lot of work. You do get a few thousand people seeing the guitars, so it's good. And, and I sell directly. I don't sell to wholesalers or to shops, because if I did. There'd be a margin added, and the price to the customer would be higher. So I sell directly. I don't sell lots. I don't want to be selling lots because that means I've got to. I won't be able to cope with preparing lots. Um, but when you're preparing for a guitar show, I might be taking 40 guitars, and I don't know which one 
somebody's going to come alongside. And what they always do, these guitarists, they come alongside and they do this. They look at the neck <laughs> as well. <laughs> I'm thinking, will you get off that? <laughs> just... Hey, it looks like so, they're doing something else. That was a lot. That, yeah, well, yeah, well, that was a lot. That's a lot of work. But uh, yeah, the. Yeah, you, you, you don't know which one's going to, you know, even when one of my students has maybe passed an exam or there's a birthday or Christmas coming up and the, the, the parents say, yeah, so-and-so, we're going to get him a new guitar for Christmas. I really don't know which one they're going to go for. Because, you know, from seeing all the all the guitars, Chris, they are very visual, these guitars. Yeah. So, I know, this is, this is the other thing. Generally speaking, the guitar shows, it's like middle-aged men like me walking around, you know, with the ACDC t-shirts on or whatever, Jimi Hendrix t-shirts. And a plastic bag full of yeah. And you get the occasion of being tagged on behind, you see. Now, because my guitars are not not big brands, you know, a lot of people just walk straight past. But the girlfriend had took on the shirt and she said, look at that, because she spotted one that was really, really beautiful, a purple one or this blue one or something, really beautiful. So the, the, he'd look at it, he'd look at the headstock, and he'd carry on. So it doesn't say Gibson or Fender, you know. So I, I can't, you know, nothing I can do about that. Well, um, those, those shows, though, yeah, you, you turn up and I've, I've helped you, helped you a few of them. So well, goes, Chris, oh, Chris, oh, Chris oh, keeps mentioning the fact that he, I must say, Chris is really, I think you're, you might be the only one that ever asked Chris. <laughs> being he goes, he goes, and, he goes. No, you're the def definitely the top salesman. You've sold more than my wife anyway. Well, um, <laughs> Have you said we have sold a few, but he says, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, there's just a pile of labels and just all these guitars. He's like, what? Put these on. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you but know, it's, inside out, you've been through them all with a the fine tooth gun. But it is fun work, but it's 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 hard work when because I know what you you physically do to get the guitar suite show, and it's yeah. it's yeah. hard work. You're ramming. You're just ramming things in in precisional places mm. in in the in the in the in the in the chant in the van, and and it's it's really difficult to do. What? What? What's your favourite one? No, 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 no. That's my question. Oh. Okay. I was just going to ask you the same question. You've got four guitars behind you, have you? Yeah, four. You now, know, I know, I know, I know this the story behind every one because we talked about as you were coming through to the conclusion and buying one. But which two, which are your favourite two out of those four? Mini bass, because that's the one I use with Sam. This is the, the one up all night. Little plug there. Up all night. Um, use It's going to go in the studio in the next few weeks, hopefully. So we're getting some new things with up all night. And that's that's you know, one of the flash body ones, isn't it? Yeah. Do, do, you, do you find that heavy? It's quite yes, a solid work, is that, isn't it? It's it is heavy, um, but it, it's got a great tone. It's cheaper than joining the gym, isn't it? It is. And do you know what my my favourite one out of the lot? This one. Really? I play this one daily. It's a lovely light little body. And do you know why? Light. You just pick it up, do something, put it down. Mm. I thought, it's I, to be honest, Chris, I thought we were going to get a little imtube, uh, impromptu little performance there. I we were gonna <laughs> hear. Go on. <laughs> I'll let Simon do that for us. So, so what's that guitar called, Chris? This is the Croft, isn't it? It's the Croft, yeah. The acoustic guitars are all named after villages on the River Tees that pass Darlington. 
And the Croft is a little village just south of Darlington on the border with North Yorkshire. And an interesting little fact about Croft is Lewis Carroll spent a lot of his childhood in, in the church. His father was the rector at the church in Croft, and he grew up there. So a lot of his stories were influenced by his childhood in Croft. You know which two I thought you were going for? You'd go for that Winston, because I know you're a big John Winston Lennon fan. Well, yeah, no. I've gone for that one. And that the, was just pure the, coincidence. That, the uh, Winston one, though, you, you, as soon as you pick up that one, that one, the weight of yeah. this is so that's, much That's all solid rosewood, that one. This is one of the ones, Sam, that I'm on left. You know, I'm going to have to get some more because that, that guitar was pre... I don't know whether you know about the CITES restrictions that were imposed about yep. restricting timbers that were, that were allowed to be used and, and, and transported around the world. Gibson got into a lot of trouble over Rosewood. Um, th these guitars are all pre-CITES, but that guitar that you're picking up there, that back and side on it is solid uh, Madagascan Rosewood, Dalbergia Baroni. You can't get it now. It's like the most prized Rosewood there is after Brazilian Rosewood, which we couldn't get from a long time back. That, that, is, that is really absolutely top quality. Plays, I think, I think all of the all of the fretboards on all of the guitars that are rosewood are all all same Dalbergia Baroni on that batch. Yeah, really good quality. It plays it plays just it plays just as good as any Martin. Any, do you know what I mean? And that's why I've got one. So, um, mm. but electric wise, yeah, I, 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 the the last six seven months, so I've been playing more acoustic. If I'm honest with you, and I've kind of. The setup I'll plug in and uh, yeah. Yeah. I pick up an acoustic, especially in lockdown and stuff in this room, and just pick up an acoustic. Say setting things up. Yeah, yeah. I just pick it up and play, if you know what I mean. Which, which I think's most important. What do you think the future holds for guitar sales? Because I know, I know, Gibson, Gibson went bankrupt uh, a couple of years ago, mass debts, and I, do you know the reason why I think that is? I may be wrong. I think it's because people prefer to buy the older models. They're not buying brand new guitars, are they? They're buying classics. Well, I think you've got to ask about saturation point with the market for guitars. If they're churning out thousands of guitars every year, who's buying them all? Because mm. they're not cheap. They're not cheap, but as I say, if you're buying a guitar for and, me... And you see, they also last a lifetime if you look after them. They're yeah. going to last a lifetime. So it's not like you're going to throw them away and get another one every year. I was, in, um, I was in when I went to America, and I, I had the Cassidy T-shirt, which I'm sporting tonight, Simon. Hey, we love that. Simon's made up. Simon is... I've got on. I'm so sorry. I've just got skin underneath this T-shirt. I can't. I can't give away it. Yeah, it's on his chest in the market, Cassidy guitar. So it's <laughs> I've got it shaved into my chest. Are you ready? No, can't. No, too no PC, too. When, I was, when I was in America, uh, and I I was sending you pictures outside Madison Square Garden with the Cassidy T-shirt. I went in a big guitar centre in, in New York, in Times Square, and there was just hundreds and hundreds of guitars in this place and and there was a humidified room for the acoustics and it was about a 35,000 pound Martin on the wall and you could pick them up and I, I sort of thought I'm gonna have a go with that so picked it up it's the worst guitar I've ever played in my life it's the worst guitar it was it, it was the wood 
the wood was the wire was so expensive. That's all it was. But it was horrific. The action was like not that far away from the from the thing was not that far away from the neck. But then there's other things in there and and you, you pick them up and but you know, I've been playing Castine's guitars for a long time now and the as I say the bass, it does all our shows. It sounds great. Um and that's the way forward. So sales wise, I think we you're competing with the big stores, but quality wise just as good as any. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I have not approached this this as a in a pure business sense. You know, I've not approached it as a business. I, I've met people at the um, guitar shows who are very sharp, far more astute than I am. Who are probably making more money than I am. I'm sure they're making more money than I am. But I've never really approached it as a money making exercise. You know, I need to make a little bit of money to 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 pay for things and to pay for my time. But the satisfaction for me is, I mean, it's a small brand. I'm never going to sell loads and loads of them, but I'm, I meet a lot of interesting people, you know. Like Chris has got some really nice guitars that he really loves, and that means a lot to me. And I've got lots of people, you know, Chris has got four. People are surprised. I was talking to him yesterday about this. There's quite a few people with three, four, and five Cassidy guitars. They get one and think, wow, this is good. And then you know they feel guilty about buying two or three. I say, I'm gonna don't worry about it. There's quite a few. <laughs> There's 24 to collect. <laughs> like Pokemon. Do you know what I always liked about the guitar shows though, when we did, when I've done them with you is, someone will come up and play, and they'll have a little walk, and then they'll go up, and they come back again, have a little go, have a little look, and then just before you're packing up. You come back one more time and have a little go, and then that's the that's the cruncher, isn't it? Yeah, that's things, yeah. I've got him. <laughs> you got him. <laughs> but that, I'll send Chris in for the kill. Well, that's it, and we always get a deal done. But I, did you I, did you know that I have a custom built guitar? I didn't know this. Oh, I, I did. Alan, before you said there was something I wanted to point out to your listeners. There is a certain guitar that you do brandish from time to time that I claim absolutely no responsibility for. I don't it's the one with the toilet seat and the Union Jack on. Is that the one? Here it is. Look at this. Look at this. And do you know what? What hey. makes that? Look at what that. I, I said, I, in fact, it was a friend of mine who, who made it. I made it. It's a custom one. Custom? It's custom. It's, yeah. It's had all the parts ripped from Cassidy guitars. It hasn't really. No, <laughs> <laughs> no he, I came up with the idea. I said to him, right, I want you to build me this guitar out of this. And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, I'm always serious. And what's, and the, I, what's the model? What's the model? It's shit. <laughs> SH1 That's what it's called. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking it as well. <laughs> Everyone was thinking of it. So, so when you're all night, when you're all you're up all night gigs, is going on too long, and you've had enough, and you want to get home, what you've got to do is get Chris to go on with that. That'll clear the room out. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually have you have you 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 have, you you obviously know I I show this guitar off at exhibitional stuff, and um, <laughs> someone did shout at me once. That shit. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know if you're talking about my playing or my guitar, but. It does work. It's electric. It it's 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 bloody heavy though. I tell you that. It's just as heavy as that. It's heavier than that bass. It really yeah. is. Look at that. 
There you go. Look at the close-up on that. Unbelievable. Have you ever seen that before, Sam? Have you never seen that before? I've never seen it. I, I actually <laughs> thought you were joking a little bit when you said you've got a toilet to your guitar. I knew we were going to pull that one out. Literally? Well, you know. Unbelievable. I actually that on tonight's podcast. All I was trying to do is to make mine look even better, you see. Well, thanks, well yeah. I, should, uh, I didn't want to hide it behind this one. Do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but we've got um, we've got a competition, haven't we, Sam? We have. Uh, we thought we'd do a little competition uh, with Simon, obviously with Cassie Guitars. Um, what we want you to do, folks, is we want you to like both of our social media, so the C-Live page and also the uh, Casty Guitars page as well. So if you uh, can show that you've followed both, uh, we'll give you an entry into win this fantastic Cassidy guitar case. Now it is a guitar case, or are we allowing heavy duty bag? They're really good quality. I I have them for for all mine when um say if I'm, I'm just doing a, a small gig or anything like that. When, when I've got a bigger gig. I obviously go for a harder case, but these are great. They're, they're good, solid quality, um, and they they come for with uh, acoustic, electric, and bass, don't they, Simon? Yeah. So whoever the winner is, if you let me know which which they would like, I'll send that out to them. Electric, uh, solid body electric guitars, acoustic guitars, dreadnought size, or bass guitars. Yeah. Look at that, folks. So what, Fantastic. What have you got to do it again, Sam? So you got to. So they've got to follow the C Live page. Uh, on Instagram, uh, and it'll link into Facebook as well. Um, so that's Cassie Guitars, and also the Sea Live uh, Entertainment page as well. And that'll give you one entry, but because we love you that much, if you share the post, which is going to go live in the next hour or so, if you share that competition post, should we give them an extra five entries? Should we say five, I think Chris? So. I think not? so, five. So you've got a possibility, six chances of... Uh, six entries for winning this guitar case, which is absolutely fantastic. It's I think the retail price is over forty pound. Is it Chris and Simon? Over yeah, I think so, it's sixty. Sixty. Yeah. There you go, folks. Sixty pound. So it really it's, it's, is. It's, it's, and, I use them all the time. They're, they're great, great. I mean, they are they are gig bags, but they're they're the, they're the highest quality that we could get, and they really are solid. And I mean, when I was gigging, I used to take three guitars out and I'd take three gig bags. And there's yeah. storage in there, Chris. Yeah, everything. Storage, there's top storage. There's even a little earphone section at the front if you want to put something in or something like that. If you want to put your earphones in while you're carrying it. It's... Yeah, they're, they're really cool. Really cool. So brilliant. So, like we've just said, guys, make sure you follow the C Live podcast. I'm going to put the social page up because it's easier. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But also, as well, on Simon's screen as well, there's castyguitars.co.uk. And also make sure that you're following Simon's uh, Cassidy Guitars on Instagram and also on Facebook as well and other means of social media as well. Um, so on that post, make sure that you're following them. Uh, that'll go up in the next hour or so. Um, I'll whip that one together. Um, but we've actually got a question in uh, oh! on our Facebook uh, that I've oh, got to mention. Oh, oh, it's from Alexander Bell. And oh, he's saying, no. what's the best live gig Simon has ever played? Where was it and when? And if he can tell us the worst as well. Ooh. Down to you, Simon. He didn't have my guitar. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so 
I've I've had, I've had a lot of a lot of good gigs and quite a few bad ones. So it's uh, it's a question of picking which one. Now another historical fact about Darlington: one of Darlington's not so um, proud claims to fame is that um, 1967, February 1967, just as uh, Hey Joe was in the charts, Jimi Hendrix was booked to play in a small club in in Darlington Town Centre. So. Um, his manager, Chas Chandler, tried to get out of the gig because, you know, they weren't getting paid very much and they were suddenly becoming quite famous, but no other help to it. So he came and played in Darlington. Uh, and Darlington's famous for all sorts of things, but one thing I'm not particularly proud of is that somebody stole one of his guitars on that night. Mm. So this was in the Imperial Hotel in the ballroom upstairs, uh, which is now, it's a block of offices, but in the bar downstairs, uh, which is still there, um, his guitar went missing, and it's never it's never appeared. I've been looking for it for quite a few years. I, I've been sort of told who took it and where it was taken on the night, and even somebody gave me a map of where it was taken and how it was taken out of the building. Uh, but I've done a few gigs um, in that building on certain anniversaries. Um, and uh, the strangest gig I did was... Um, it's the Imperial Hotel, and and it's always it's always... You know, it's quite atmospheric playing there. But this particular night, you'll know Sam, being a technical guy, I can see you are. We had all sorts of technical problems. We had a video camera set up, sound set up. Um, the, the camera didn't work. The, the, the sound recorder didn't work. My pedals kept going off. I had a radio thing from a guitar. That stopped working. All sorts of technical problems. And then halfway through... Um, Somebody, I've said, I've said to somebody about, you know, something strange is happening here. He said, yeah, he said, I've been getting somebody pulling the back of my hair all night. It's turned into paranormal activities. And then, and then, um, then later on, somebody else told me he had his hair pulled. And I thought, this is odd. And then somebody else said he thought he saw a, a spirit stood next to me on stage. So it was, it was a great, once we got everything going, it was, it was a really, really good gig. But weird, weird, strange. Now, very, very sadly, I didn't know what to make of this. Very sadly, I found out that one of my students had died that night. Whoa. And this is a young man. I'm sure his parents won't mind me mentioning him. Yeah. Jamie, Jamie Davis. Blimey. I can get that on the camera. Yeah. Jamie Davis. Wow. Uh, he tragically died. Um, he had meningitis, rushed into hospital, never recovered consciousness and died that night. So I thought, that's odd. And then it turned out that the lad who I'd never met before, who was having his hair pulled, was called Jamie Davis. What? Yeah. So it seemed strange to me that he died. He was, he was rushed off to Newcastle, RVI, I think. But he died when we were playing. And just, I can't help but think that somehow he's passing through yeah. to his mother's or whatever. Anyway, it was, it was 15 years old, the lad. Terrible. If you look on my website, if you look in the videos, there's a guitar I, I, I donated to, towards the fundraising activity. His mother was, um, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a meningitis trust. There's a video called uh, Blues for Jamie, and it's me playing the guitar that I donated to, that raised money for this charity. Um, and on the video, I'm playing this just 12 bar blues thing. Um, and um, there's videos of Jamie in, in my studio here 
attending lessons and workshops, you know. And so that was that was a that was a, a funny one. That was a funny weird weird gig. Very good. Um, in terms of bad ones, yeah. Well, I've only ever been paid off once. <laughs> I mean, I have emptied a few rooms out because of the volume he used to play out, but it never never had any trouble being paid off. But uh, <laughs> this is another funny story. The drummer that, that I used to play with, Martin, he was he, he was he, he did fancy himself as a bit of a ladies' man, you know. He was always in with the ladies wherever we went, and he got us this gig in a place in Thornaby. I can't remember the name of the pub. It was the Duke of Marlborough or something like that in Thornaby. I'd never played there before, so he was quite chuffed. He got this gig, you know. Anyway, we went for this gig, and um, it ended up a bit like. Uh, it looked a bit like the horse and jockey from that shameless set. You know, we, we got there and there was glass everywhere, all over the car park. Some quite rough looking blokes stood outside, you know. Yeah. And I thought, oh dear, what have we got here? Anyway, we went in and it was quite a tidy little concert room down the side of this pub. So we got set up and, you know, Paul, the bass player at the time, he just wheeled his bass cabinet in and then went and started drinking. He used to drink a lot, which wasn't very good. He <laughs> was to set the gear up. So there we were. We were... Um, we were setting all this gear up, and, and Paul says, "Oh, here, here, Simon, Simon, come on, come on, you've got to come and see this." I said, "Look, Paul, we're busy. We've got to get all this gear set up. It's all right for you with your bloody bass cabin and amp. We've got to. No, you've got to come and see this." Anyway, we went in, and there was this big poster that the pub had made. I'd sent ours through, but they, they they just put their own up, and it said, "Not to be missed, Sundance, the name of our band." Yeah. And we remember we were playing Jimi Hendrix psychedelic rock. Not to be missed, Sundance playing classic 60s and 70s, Saul and Tamla Motown. <laughs> oh, that was the worst night there. So I looked around and the pub was like tattoos and earrings and black eyes and, you know. Okay. I thought, oh, Christ. So at the, at the due pointed out at nine o'clock, they all came in with a pint of lager, sat there. And then it kicked off. And then <laughs> we started playing whatever, you know, Foxy Lady or whatever, and they, they couldn't make any sense of it. So by by the half time, I think there was two people in there who were off their heads and thought we were absolutely amazing. They were really into it, thought it was fantastic. Um, but because a lot of people left, this this friend of my, our drummers suddenly decided, no, pay them off. So we got paid. Wow. And that's probably that's probably the worst the worst gig. Chris, but I've got lots of stories I can tell you. We had we had time, but I'll stop there. On you, that you've one. got you've got one, haven't you, Chris? You keep mentioning it on the podcast. One, one oh, uh, certain uh, inflatable guitar being thrown in your face. I we played a gig once, and and there was a fella so drunk they took him outside, and um, and an ambulance came. You could see the flashing lights through the the. the, the the glass window, you know, like frosted glass, and the whole pub went outside to watch. Right. And we were, we were close to no one. There was no, even the bar staff went outside to watch us fell an ambulance, oh and we were literally just playing to an empty venue. Oh. That, and then they all came back in, and it, well, they were, they, 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 the lads were saying, "What do we do?" And I said, "Just keep playing because we can go home early." Exactly. <laughs> so we <start> playing. <laughs> right. That was well, cool. folks, we've been going for nearly an hour. Which has been ah, fantastic, right. and it's been great to listen to stories, Simon, about how oh, you've got uh, casting guitars up and running from day dot 
all the way up to uh, now and you've you've had a, a little bit of an influx in sales over the last couple of weeks i believe chris was saying you had yeah. nine or ten sales of guitars which I is think, fantastic. See, that, see that that doesn't sound a lot does it no but it don't. and it's it's not a lot to a big shop but you see i don't have guitars in boxes ready to post out these guitars are pretty well taken apart before they're posted out so um there's you know there's probably at least five hours work on each guitar doing the setup, getting the frets and everything sorted out. I might need a bit longer on that toilet seat to get that oh, sorted. the guitar of 2020. Literally. <laughs> this is the guitar of 2020. So if you're looking for a historic guitar to um, celebrate 2020, you can, I'll let you have this design if you want to go for it. Okay. I'll do it. We could do it as a tribute, tribute for you, Chris. Chris Vaughan's SH1T. <laughs> It needs to be made. Literally on that bombshell. I always say that as well at the end of the podcast. On that bombshell, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the C Live podcast this week. Uh, as always, please do follow us on social media. That is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook, we are at C Live. On Twitter, we are at C Live Enter One. And on Instagram, we are at C Live. And don't forget, if you want to be uh, in, a, in, in a chance to win that fantastic uh, gig bag, which Chris is going to beautifully model now for us. Look at that, beautiful. Um, retail price is over £60. Um, courtesy of uh, Casty Guitars. All you have to do is like, share uh, our Facebook pages, our Instagram pages, so that's Casty Guitars, and also see live uh, Facebook pages and Instagram pages. And then if you share it to your story as well, that is an extra five entries as well. So the possibility of get six sharing, entries. Get sharing. So if you share, you get six entries and you've got a chance to win that fantastic prize. Um, Simon, thank you so, so much for taking uh, the time to speak to us. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Chris, um, you've enjoyed that on, one? I did. I'm rolling on 2021. Um when we can buy more guitars and we can get more guitars well, and we can play them you, live. We need to start thinking of the 2021 design. Well, I've got a few, design, a few designs in my head. A, a, a timed guitar might be the inspiration for the next one. Okay. Part source from Darlington, of course. Or oh, as always. Uh, guys, thank you so much again. Please make sure you do follow all of our social medias. We'll see you next week for another edition of the Sea Live podcast. Stay safe out there. Bye.